0: Man, Let's take our Bibles, please. Turn to John chapter 9 tonight. John chapter 9. And uh, we'll look tonight at a man that was born blind. And the title of my message comes from verse 30. And I just, I just like it, so I just chose it as a title. You know, sometimes the title doesn't always uh, line up. But uh, I, I like the title because it came from the Scripture. But I also like it because of the attitude of the man. The Pharisees had come to him, and they... They didn't understand, they didn't understand at all what was going on. This man had been born blind, his parents didn't want to testify, they were afraid of the Pharisees and the religious leaders and so they said, you go and ask him, he's of age, he'll tell you what's going on and they said, we don't understand why you were born blind but now you can see and what we don't understand what happened here. And he says, why, herein is a marvelous thing that you don't understand, he liked it that it confused the religious leaders. And so I just chose that as my title. But John chapter 9 tonight, if you look there, herein is a marvelous thing. And though he meant it as an exclamation and uh, was thrilled to death that the religious leaders did not understand something, that they had to admit that they could not understand this man called Jesus, what a wonderful thing to say, isn't it? Herein is a marvelous thing. I think maybe that's an exclamation we could make every once in a while. When the Lord moves and stirs in our life, herein is a marvelous thing. God has done something great in our lives. And we ought to testify more of what the Lord has done for us. But look, if you will, John chapter 9 and verse 1. It's a long story. It's the whole chapter. We won't read it all at once, but we'll pick our way through it. But if you look at John chapter 9 and read in verse 1, and as Jesus passed by... How many of you tonight could say, I need Jesus to pass by? He saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin? This man or his parents said he was born blind. Jesus answered, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay And said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way therefore, and washed and came seeing. The neighbors therefore said, and they which before had seen him that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, how were thine eyes opened? He answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed, and I received sight. Heavenly Father, help us tonight, Lord, as we explore this great passage of Scripture. Lord, I, I use that adjective, but every passage of Scripture is great. Lord, there's so much in here that we can learn tonight and I pray that you'd help us to be focused on that, those few things that you've laid upon my heart tonight and Lord that the word of God might speak to us. May the spirit of God help us. Lord, we're a needy people, we need to be fed and I pray Lord, that you'd help us. Fill me, I pray I surrender to you. Lord, there's maybe somebody here tonight that needs this type of miracle, that needs a touch of the Lord, they just want Jesus so desperately to pass by. Maybe they're just reaching out even now for the hem of his garment. And God, we know that you are the great physician. We know that you give wisdom to doctors. And we know that you give help to mankind. And, uh, but we know ultimately it is your decision. And Lord, there's other people with other miracles that are needed. Lord, there's financial issues. There's families falling apart. And Lord, if Jesus would just pass by. And so God, I pray that you would just use the principle of this passage tonight to apply it very broadly that each one of us might get what we need. And Lord, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, when I say to apply it very broadly, there are times where we interrupt this program. Sometimes when we look at a passage of scripture, there's a, <laughs> there's an application that can be made that's very pinpointed, that reaches right into, I don't think that's any better. All right, I'm going to grab this mic over here. We'll try this. Sometimes there's an application of scripture that is pinpointed. Sometimes the Bible is very clear in it. It just says, thou shalt not or thou shalt. I was reading today in Colossians chapter 3 this afternoon, and it says, put off the old man and put on the new man. And there's some very pointed commandments for us in the scripture. But sometimes I believe that when the Lord works, there's a very broad application, And we see when the Lord Jesus Christ passed by, this blind Bartimaeus, uh, the disciples asked a question and they said, why was this man born blind? Is it so that, uh, was it because his father sinned or maybe he sinned? And the Lord answered, it was neither. No man sinned, but it's so that you might see the works of the Father. I have sent to do the works of him that sent me. And so the Lord Jesus Christ lays out for them that there's a work that needs to be done. And when Jesus passed by, he worked in the man's life. And so I want to just broadly apply this tonight, if we could. I'm going to outline it very quickly, and that was not necessarily my plan. I was planning on preaching through the passage, but the Lord has kind of moved upon my heart, if we could, and just outline it quickly, then move back to a principle that I want you to see, and we'll close with that tonight. And so as we outline, and if you happen to take notes, that's fine, but look at the first thing we see tonight. We see, first of all, a perplexing situation, a perplexing situation. In verse one, we see a situation, a man born. And blind, and you know when you see a little baby. How many of you got to see a brand new little baby this morning? Got to meet Oliver, and I see some of the little kids. They say, "Well, we got to see that little baby." I just walked through the hallway before service, and and Jethro was out there, and he was just rocking that little baby, and he was so proud, and he's looking at everybody, hoping they'll come and see his new little baby brother. He was just so proud to have that little baby brother here tonight, and so I saw Oliver, and and, and you know you see that little baby. And it's a perplexing question because a man that is born blind was afflicted as a little baby. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, mean, it's just common sense, isn't it? Oliver heard his name back there. (laughs) It's just common sense. If a man is born blind, he was born without eyesight. And so from the time of his birth, he was afflicted as a child. And we sometimes wonder when we see that happen, what did they do to deserve that? The disciples had that question, didn't they? Did his father sin? How could he have possibly sinned? He was only a baby when this took place. And so it was a perplexing situation. And the answer is twofold tonight. We understand that because of sinful fallen man is the reason we have ailments in our lives, right? This last week, uh, last, I believe it was last Saturday, Pastor uh, Arbulette had his voice box removed, a larynctomy He has cancer in his voice box. He's a preacher, and you can imagine that would be hard for him. And he took out his way; He could hardly talk anyway. He had a real deep and gravelly voice and almost a whisper the last time I heard him preach, just about a week before that. And uh, he said, all right, this is my Batman voice. But he says, after surgery, I'll talk like R2-D2. They're putting in an electronic voice box. Isn't technology amazing? And he's hoping that within six months he'll be able to preach again. But I was reading something that he wrote after his surgery, and he said this. So many people have asked, he says, I want to answer it this way. God did not give me cancer. Adam and Eve gave me cancer. It's because we are sinful, fallen man that we suffer from ailments. And so as we see this perplexing situation, there's a twofold answer, sinful, fallen man. But secondly, Jesus said in verse 3 that we might see the glory of God. It's an opportunity for God to work. And so we see a perplexing situation, but I want you to see in verse 4 a powerful statement. In verse 4 he says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. I must work the works of him. Jesus, the son of God in the flesh, was careful to help the disciples understand something. Any work that God would do on, or Jesus would do on this earth was for his Father's glory. Do you know that's the same reason we ought to serve God? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. It is a command of scripture that we are to bring glory to God in all that we do. And so this ailment existed, one, because of the sin of Adam and Eve, but two, to bring glory to God. And even Jesus himself submitted himself to that very will of God when he said, I must work the works of him. I must work the works of of him that sent me. And so he came to bring glory to God. But then we see in verse six a peculiar solution. Look at verse six. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. I'm sure glad right about then he couldn't see. I'm not sure that, sometimes they say that the, the, the treatment is worse than the disease. And I don't know if being blind would be worse than what Jesus was about to do, but I, I couldn't imagine somebody spitting into the dirt and, and rolling it up in his fingers and making a clay and then coming at you. And just as he gets to you, maybe your, your, your friends cry out, the father cried out. So what, wait, what's going on? But he took that mud or that clay that he made out of spit and he smeared it across his eyes. For one, if his eyes were open at all, that, that would hurt. You the, the, ever had a speck of sand in your eye, but to smear that mud in your eye? Then he told the man, now go wash it in the pool of Siloam. And the man did. I've just entitled that. I'm going to come back to this in just a moment, and this will be our principle for tonight. But we see a peculiar solution as we outline the passage. But I want you to notice in verse, uh, the next verse, verse 10, we come to a pharisaical schism. Isn't that always the case? How many of you know that whenever God works, the Pharisees get squirming? And we have a schism among the Pharisees. Notice in verse 10, we'll read up to it. Therefore said they unto him, how were thine eyes open? He answered and said, a man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said unto me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash.' and I went and washed and I received sight. Then Then said they unto him, where is he? He said, I know not. They brought, to the, or they brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. And it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. How many of you know there's trouble now? Then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said unto them, He put clay upon mine eyes, and I washed and do see. Uh, let me be clear about something. The Pharisees did not care about the cure, they wanted to know if he was working on the Sabbath. That's what they were upset about. Now, notice what it says in verse uh, 16. Therefore, said some of the Pharisees, this man is not of God because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. So there was a, a Pharisaical schism. And, and we see, first of all, some condemned, didn't they? This man is not of God. He can't possibly be of God. He's, he's working on the Sabbath. How dare God work on the Sabbath? Wasn't the Sabbath made for God? Isn't he the God of the Sabbath? Isn't Jesus the Lord of the Sabbath? And yet the Pharisees condemned him from working on the Sabbath. So we see uh, their condemnation, but we see also some considered Notice what it says in verse 16. Therefore said some of the the Pharisees, not all of them, this man is not of God because he keepeth not the Sabbath day, but others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? You got to hear the tone in their voice. I know it's not there in your in the pages. You got to hear the tone. Come on, guys. If he's a sinner, how could he possibly, how could he possibly heal this man? How could he give him his sight if he's a sinner like you say he is? So some condemned. Some began to consider. But you know what I notice? and I know we ought not do this, but I'm going to preach something that's not there. Nobody celebrated. Nobody rejoiced. I I, I got to tell you, I, I would think this is a pretty cool thing. I remember, I remember years ago now, it's, it's probably been a decade, getting a call one night, Pastor you come to the hospital, went over to the hospital, and it was uh, uh, Art, Art and Tracy, Taves, Taves yeah, and my wife and I were there and Tracy was crying. So what's going on? They said, she said, they thought he had a perforated bowel. They opened him up and they said, he's full of cancer. It's, there was no room in his cavity; it was pushing right down into his leg. I mean, he's just right full. They said, maybe three weeks. He's going to die. I couldn't believe the months that passed after that. And the day he walked out of the hospital cancer free. Incredible. It wasn't long ago I ran into Art at the superstore. I said, Art, how are you doing? He says, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing really good. And I said, do you ever stop and wonder why me? I said, I'm not asking you that. I don't think you're undeserving or anything. But do you ever, do you ever get that feeling? He says, every day, Pastor, I don't understand why God would do this for me. Incredible. God still works. And God can still do miracles. Amen. But I remember a celebration taking place. I remember rejoicing taking place. But among the Pharisees, they were so busy, concerned about the Sabbath, and they were so concerned about whether Jesus was a sinner or not. Nobody stopped to give God glory. As a matter of fact, the only time they gave glory, look at verse 24. Well, let's read a little more. Verse 19. And they asked him, saying, they brought this man, is this your son? Or they talked to his parents, whom he say that was born blind, how then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, we know, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him, he shall speak for himself these words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore said his parents, he's of age, ask him. Now now we get to the part where they praise God. Look at verse 24. Then again called they the man that was blind, his son unto him, give God the praise. we know that this man is a sinner. Boy, Pharisees will find funny things to praise God about, won't they? Hey man, come over here. Praise God with us because we know that this guy that healed you is a sinner. Just come on and tell us he's a sinner. Boy, I like the man's answer. Notice what he says, verse 25. He answered said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, I was blind and now I see. Isn't that good? I don't know a lot about him. But I know I can see. That's all I need to know. So we see a pharisaical schism. And then we see a perfect simplicity in his answer. Notice as we continue to read verse 26. Then said they to him again, what did he do to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and ye did not hear. Wherefore could ye hear it again? Will ye also be his disciples? I, I, I love, I love how snarky he gets. I mean, I don't know why I love it. I shouldn't love it, but I do. He says, why do you want to know so much? You want to be his disciples too? You want to follow? I, I don't just like it. I don't know why. We probably shouldn't take soul winning tips from this fella. <laughs> but I just like his attitude. He says, do you want to be his disciples? Verse 28, then they reviled him and said, thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. We know that God spake unto Moses as for this fellow We know not from whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, Why, hearing is a marvelous thing, that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if a man be a worshiper of God, and doeth his will, he heareth him. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God... He could do nothing. Amen. Let's just keep reading to the end. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they'd cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? You see, you see the Lord Jesus Christ had worked a work in his life. He had touched his eyes. He had healed a man that was born blind. And the man even testified, have you ever heard of anybody born blind that's been healed? Perhaps there have been people that had struggled with their eyesight and maybe he knew somebody that even their eyes had gone dim and doctors were able to help them or perhaps through nutrition or something they were able to bring back some of their eyesight. But he says, no, you don't know anybody born blind. He said, this man must be of God. And so when Jesus finds him after he's thrown out of the temple, he says to him, do you want to know the Lord? He says, do you want to know and believe on the Son of God? And he says, if you tell me who he is, I'll believe on him. Who is he, Lord? And the Lord Jesus Christ answers him in the next verse. And Jesus said unto him, verse 37, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. By the way, highlight this passage. Some people say, "Well, Jesus never claimed to be the Son of God right there he does." He tells you that he is the Son of God. And he said, "Lord, I believe." And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, "For judgment I am coming to the world that they which not which see not might see and they which see might be made blind." And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? What are they saying? Do you think we're blind? Is that what you're trying to say, Lord? you think we're blind? Notice what Jesus says to them. If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now you say, we, we see, therefore your sin remaineth. Can I translate that for you quickly? He's saying, you're saying you need no help. You're not going to find it. You need no forgiveness, so you won't receive it. But if you would just admit you're blind, if you would just admit that you need forgiveness, if you would just admit that you need help, if you would just admit that you need Christ, I would touch you and make you whole. But because you will not admit you're blind, you will stay in your sins. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. But let me take you back. As we consider the perfect simplicity in his answer, I want you to go back, if you will, a few verses and look with me as we can see this peculiar solution in verse 6. Look at verse 6. I want to give you one principle tonight and we'll be done. I've outlined the passage, and I've given you some thoughts, but I, want, I just want to give you one principle to take home tonight. And, and I really believe tonight, if you're looking for something from the Lord, maybe you're praying for something. And I, I've asked the Lord to apply this broadly. You're praying, and you're trusting God for something. You're, you're asking God for a miracle. I, I was just talking last night to my brother-in-law, Telly, and... And, uh, been, you know, Tully's been uh, doing better lately, and, and God has been blessing him, and he's been going to church, and I'm thankful for that. And we had heard that his pastor got sick. And we know his pastor a little bit. I've been in the church to visit, and, and his pastor uh, was at the funeral, came to the funeral for Ida's uh, dad. And, and so we, we know the pastor, and, and uh, he's only 46 years old. And I had to guess. I, I said to my wife, "I said I think he's probably late thirties, thirty-eight. He's young. Uh, he's forty-six, but he looks a lot younger. And uh, it seemed like in good physical condition." We heard that he's in the hospital, and I said to Telly, "I said Telly, how's your pastor doing?" He says, "He says we need a miracle." He says, "Brother, we need a miracle." That's how he put it. He says we are meeting at the church every single night at seven thirty, and we're going to pray until either he's in heaven or he's back in the pulpit. He said, we've been doing that now for weeks. Every night we meet at 7.30 and we pray that he's either in heaven or he's back in the pulpit. But we need a miracle. I said, what happened? He said he had a brain bleed and it caused a stroke. And he says he's been in a coma now for two weeks. And he says, they say it's going to take a miracle. He's, he's learning through that process what it means to believe God for a miracle. And maybe you're believing God tonight for a miracle. Maybe you're praying for something that's impossible. Let me give you this one principle and we'll be done. Look at verse six. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And said unto him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way therefore and washed and came seeing isn't that kind of an odd way to heal a man? When Jesus can step out on the stern of a boat and say, Peace be still, and all of nature falls before him. When a lady can sneak through the crowd and reach up and touch the hem of his garment and be healed instantly. When he can stand before a grave and say, Lazarus, come forth and a tomb begins to shake. Do you find it odd that he would spit? Spit? I, Brother Kevin, what would you do if I came and spit in your face tonight? Well, if you're not going to tell me, let's just find out. <laughs> you, you would take it as an insult. We take it as an insult. is a dirty thing, isn't it? Do you know they say a dog's mouth is cleaner than a human's mouth? That's why in the Bible it talks about the dogs licking the sores. Can you can you imagine all the people watching as Jesus spit? Understand the Jewish people, they had rules about washing your hands for everything. About ceremonial cleansing. And do you know what day it was? It was a Sabbath. You were to touch no unclean thing on the Sabbath. At any point, really, but on the Sabbath, especially, you were to keep yourself ceremonially clean. I think Jesus was just telling them, hey, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. As he spit in his hand, he took some dirt and he mixed it into that spit. He made that clay. It just seemed so unusual to me. And he said, Well, that's the way he healed blinded eyes. You know, it's, it's not a, a tempestuous sea and it's, it's, it's not a man laying in a grave. No, I remember another man that he said, Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy on me. And Jesus simply spoke and he says, Do you see? He says, I see men as trees walking around. And again, he opened his eyes and he could see. What I'm trying to say to you tonight, and here's the principle, don't miss it. When it comes to God doing a miracle, it's not about the what. It's not about the how. It's about the who. I really believe that's what Jesus was demonstrating. I think Jesus could have said, you know what, go do three backflips, and once you land on your feet the third time, You'll be healed. He could have said, Go down to Walmart and buy a kite and go fly it into an electrical storm, and when the lightning hits it, you'll be healed. He could have done anything he wanted. But he did it a different way than he did the time before. Simply to show it's not about what I do, it's not about how I do things, it's about who I am. Let's not ever forget that. Tonight you will go to pillow your head and some of you are praying every day for a miracle. You're praying for something, whatever it might be. I'm not sure what, what, uh, in this broad application tonight, what it is you are seeking God for. But let me tell you this, we need to learn how to stop telling God how to do things. Do that, don't we? I've used that illustration before. The Spirit searcheth our hearts and because he we don't know how we ought to pray. And he prays on our behalf. And sometimes we go, Lord, Lord, I, you know, I, I got this financial need and if you'll just give me $300. You just told the Lord how to answer your prayer. Maybe the Lord said, I had a 1,000 for you but you only want 300, okay. I would have taken care of all your debt. I would have taken care of all your problems. So sometimes we need to learn how to just take our needs to the Lord and trust the who and not the how. We sometimes treat Jesus like he's the Wizard of Oz. We want to see the man behind the curtain. We want to see all the pulleys and the... How many of you remember that show? You old enough to remember? It was in 1939 or something? But it's in color. I don't know how that works. And they they pull back that curtain and there's all the things that are running the whole land of Oz, right? They got bells, they got whistles, they got spindles, they got pulleys, they got ropes, and he could turn a wheel and he could twist something and a big voice would come out of a speaker and for some reason we think we need to know all that. Do you know what the Bible says about God's riches? They are unsearchable. They're unsearchable. Let me just borrow a Quote from Brother Calvin Allen, it's not your monkey and it's not your circus. Stay in your lane. Let's come to the Almighty Holy God, to the throne of grace, and let's ask for mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. That tells me not only does he give us mercy, he gives us grace, he gives us more than we deserve. If we just come to him. It's not about the what, the how, the why, it's about the who. And we just need to beseech Jesus Christ and come to him. This man never asked. He just was at the mercy of Jesus. And Jesus did whatever he wanted to do and he demonstrated to them, guys, it's not about the methods. It's about exalting me. It's about seeking me. And so tonight as you pillow your head and you seek for that miracle one more time, Seek him. Try saying this not my will, but thine be done. Boy, that's hard. That's hard. But when he's finished with the how, you'll find him. Because behind all of what he does is the master. And you can trust him. And by the way, he's good. He's always good. And he's working all things together for good. Let's pray. Father, speak to our hearts, we pray. Help us to seek you. Lord, I I like this blind man. I'm looking for the right word. I like his cheekiness. It's just almost entertaining. But Lord, in it we see a great miracle. We see a man that, because his eyes were given to him, he was absolutely fearless in front of the Pharisees. Lord, I wonder sometimes if later on he wasn't one of the disciples in the upper room or he wasn't one that, that went out and preached the gospel. It just seemed like he had such a fearless attitude. But Lord, as we read these stories, help us not to miss that it's not about a blind man. It's about a savior. It's not about clay and spittle or how the Lord Jesus Christ works. It's simply about that he is able and that we can trust him and that he is always good. So bless us we pray in this invitation time. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Maybe tonight you want to come down and with new breath pray that prayer once again. God, I'm trusting you because you are good and I'm going to leave this in your care and I'm going to exalt you and I'm going to glorify you and no matter what I'm going to trust you